0: Good morning everyone. It's good to see you all and be back again. My name is Caleb Weyer as Sam said and this will be my third time at Maple Grove Covenant Church and every time it's been such a delight. Every time um, I've learned so much about God and about people and 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 just had a delight uh, just sitting and talking with you guys after after the the service. I think both times I stayed for at least an hour after I got done uh, speaking. And so you guys have a beautiful community here. That's something that's very special and, 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 and it's very honoring uh, for me to be able to, to come and speak to a community that cares for each other and that loves each other and that wants to be involved in each other's lives. Uh, last time I was here, I was just stepping out of my position at Crossroads Church in Hastings um, and just uh, trying to be obedient to God and starting a non-profit ministry called My Mountain and uh, it's going. It's going really well, and I don't want to take a ton of time uh, today to talk about that. But maybe at the end, I'll have some time and maybe touch on a little, uh, couple points on that. But basically, uh, my passion, my my heart's cry, is that uh, God would use me to inspire, equip, and encourage people to know God's heart and to show God's heart through whatever. Uh, whatever they're passionate about, whatever they're gifted in, and that we would uh, take what we learn in here and what we're inspired by in here and what we're encouraged and equipped by in here and then go out into the world, go out into the darkness and bring light into the darkness and salt to the earth and leaven into the bread. Uh, Because I believe that uh, salt in its shaker and light that's covered up and leaven in the package doesn't do a whole lot, but then when all of us go out there and and tell people what we experience when we sit with God and when we Uh, learn about God. That's how we're going to change the world. And so that's kind of what My Mountain does in a a very general nutshell. But today I didn't come to talk about My Mountain. I came to talk about Jesus and his people. And so as you know, if you've heard me speak before, you know I love to tell stories. Uh, You know that's probably my favorite way uh, to communicate to people because I believe that the stories in the Bible and our personal stories Tell us so much about the design of this world, about who we are in, uh, in humanity, about who God is, and how He interacts with us, and how He's faithful and just and merciful and kind and loving. And uh, so, I just I just prefer to tell stories uh, when I talk. And so, I got a couple stories for you guys today that I hope um, that I hope really speak to some people in this room. I I, I really believe that as I. Preparing for this week, um, and just saying, God, you know, like you know, the people's hearts in the room, and I didn't, I didn't even realize this. I didn't realize that this is the first week that Craig was not here, <laughs> and so just driving up here today, I'm like, God, like, please just let me care for these people as as best as I can. I believe um, the stories He's given me today. Um, I believe, I believe that's going to happen. And so um, I'm going to tell this first story. It's from Luke 18. And if, it's going to be on the screen for you. And I'm going to read it off the screen as well. Uh, Luke 18 says this. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Next slide, please. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God... Belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And so sometimes we read these things from the Bible and it's hard for us to place ourselves in those situations. So I'm going to tell this story again. And I want you to imagine yourself in the crowd. If you're a parent, imagine your kids are there with you. If you're a kid, imagine you're sitting there watching Jesus teach. Jesus has been going around throughout all of Israel and and proclaiming the good news of the gospel. And everybody who comes to him, it says in Luke 9 that every single person that came to him, he healed from their sickness. He renewed their body. And so Jesus is hanging out one day. He's teaching. He's speaking this good news. And then all of a sudden, these parents start bringing their kids to Jesus because as a good parent you want the best for your kid right and people were seeing that Jesus was the best man that ever walked this earth so why wouldn't we want him to bless our children and so they start bringing their kids to Jesus and Jesus friends his disciples and the people in the crowd start getting a little bit irritated and imagine yourself in the crowd Jesus is teaching and then all of a sudden a little toddler walks up to him and interrupts him. It'd be just like right now if somebody's kid just came up here and started talking to me. There are some people in the room, and I might have been one of them in that crowd that said, "Ooh, ooh, what's he going to do? This is making me a little uncomfortable. Hey, take care of your kid. Hey, control your kid. Hey, parent your kid. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let them come to me. I love children. Matter of fact, children are the ones who are going to inherit my kingdom. In fact, if you are annoyed by a child coming to me, you can't enter in. It's too hard for you to enter in. You need to just come as a child would come. Unabashed. Vulnerable. Intimately. And that's how you have to approach me. That's how you have to approach my father. And so that's this first story for today. Um, I, don't, I don't think today is supposed to be a teaching or a message. I think as I was praying today, God was saying, like, I want you to extend an invitation to my people from me. And if you like to take notes, and even if you don't like to take notes, I would love for you to grab something to write with or grab your phone right now uh, because I wasn't able to print off invitations for everybody in the room, but I want you to create an invitation right now just to remind yourself of what's happening today. The title of this invitation, if you want to write this down, is, is Let Kids Be Kids. And I want you to put a little from with a colon and put Caleb and the Lord and then I want you to put two in a colon and put me, not me, Caleb, you, you, me, you. Got it? So this invitation is for you. And today I want to tell another story about my life. Um, I'm about to, uh, to be very vulnerable with you guys. I'm about to be very intimate with you guys. But I believe uh, the reason God wanted me to share, share this story is because kids are intimate and kids are vulnerable. I don't know about you, but i I, I uh, volunteer at uh, kids ministry at crossroads uh, and I love being with the pre k kids they're like four five and six they're they're just they're beautiful they're awe and they're wonder about life. You can entertain them with anything it's like oh, uh, I got through the whole curriculum and we still got fifteen minutes left uh just lay on the ground, and I'll blow bubbles over you. And they're like, oh, okay, and they they just pop in bubbles. And like that's great for them. They, they don't care. They're just there to have a good time, to have awe and wonder and to explore and to learn. But sometimes um, we'll, we'll sit down to watch the message. There's a little bit of a video message, and I'll sit down with the kids. And, and sometimes one of the kids will just crawl into my lap and just want to sit with me. A lot of the times at the beginning, uh, I've been serving for a while now, but at the beginning, these kids had no idea who I was. They just wanted to be close to me. So they just come and sit in my lap or I'll be like walking around the room like while they're playing. And then all of a sudden, like a little hand goes in mine and they're just holding my hand and walking along with me. Again, at the beginning, these kids didn't know me at all. But they saw me as a safe person, as a good person, as a loving person, and so they just did that. And so I believe what Jesus is saying right here is that, that's how we're supposed to live our life, with God, but also with other people. And so I want to tell you this story that kind of reflects uh, those things for my life um, and hopefully invite you into this childlike faith. Um, on October 11th, uh, it was a Friday, I was at Dunn Brothers Coffee, and I was working on my mountain things, and I was preparing for a fundraiser we were about to do, and one of my friends, Mallory, uh, was going to help me out. She's going to create a newsletter and some invitations and other things like that, and I'm texting her that morning, and we're talking about this, and then I actually had a part-time job at the time that uh, of serving at a restaurant. And so I got in my car, I started driving to the restaurant, and Mallory's husband, Josh, Gives me a call who's my best friend in the world, and so is Mallory. I met uh, Mallory when I was a freshman in college about six years ago. Josh, the year after that, became best friends with him, was already best friends with her. They ended up getting married, and I was like, sweet, was the best man in their wedding? It was awesome. Get in the car, I'm driving to my job, and Josh uh, calls me on the phone and he says, Hey, Caleb. Um, Mallory had an accident she fell down and they're taking her to the hospital and I'm at my job in Fridley I think you can get to the hospital they're taking to before her would you be able to do that for me and I was like yeah man of course of course and so um, he, he didn't really know what happened he just knew that she fell and that she was on her way to the hospital and so I'm driving to the hospital and I'm just praying. I'm like, okay, God, like, protect Mallory, give the doctors, blah, 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 blah. And I get to the hospital, and I get to the front desk. It's at HCMC in downtown Minneapolis. And I get to the emergency room uh, visiting desk, and I say, hey, I'm here for Mallory Bogachik. Um, could you take me back to her? Like, her husband asked me to come. And he said, oh, actually, her husband beat you here. He's waiting um, And they'll come up and get you. I was like, okay. So I'm I'm waiting in the waiting area, not even in the emergency room waiting area, like in the lobby of the entire hospital. And I give Josh a call. I'm like, hey, after like 20 minutes, I'm like, hey, Josh, um, are you going to come get me? He's like, oh, I think somebody's going to come and get you. I'll have somebody come and get you. I was like, okay. I wait another 10 minutes and then all of a sudden uh, this lady named Sarah comes up to the front. She says, are you Caleb? I said, yeah, I'm Caleb. And she says, okay, great. I'll take you back to where Josh is. I'm like, okay, how's Mallory doing? And she just said, you know, like Josh is going to really need you. He's really shaken at this time. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Um, And I get, walk into the door. I'll never forget this in my life. I walk into the door, and I walk in. I see Josh is standing there. He had his back to the door. And in front of him, there were eight people in the room who I did not know. And I open the door, and Josh hears the door open, and he turns around, and he just said, She's gone, dude. She's dead. And I'm sitting there in that moment like, uh, No, like you said, she just like fell down. He's just freaking out right now. But now he's like holding on to me, sobbing. And I'm looking at these eight doctors in the room who are all strangers to me, just looking for some type of confirmation, some type of like, in my mind, he's just freaking out. He's scared for his wife. Something's happening. And I just go, is this true? And one of the doctors goes, yes. And I walked into the room right when they had told him, your wife passed away. And this is my best friend, and so I'm just hearing about this, too. And it's one of those moments where, where like you have these eight people in the room and one familiar face, and it's like in your dreams when, when you don't recognize the people in your dreams, but you only recognize. And I'm just sitting there, and they start explaining to me the tragedy of what happened. She was 32 weeks pregnant. She was doing dishes. at. Uh, she was helping this lady who was moving, and so she was doing the dishes. She had a glass in her hand. She lost consciousness, the glass shattered, and it cut her throat, and she died on the way to the hospital. And so they're explaining this to me, and Josh is just obviously distraught. They had just celebrated their two-year anniversary, and they get done explaining this to me. They didn't even explain to him what had happened, yet I literally walked into this situation. And he said, you have to go and call everybody. Everybody. It's on you to tell everybody what just happened. So I go outside because I didn't have reception in in the hospital, and the first four people I called did not answer. And let me tell you, I've never felt more alone and isolated in my life. At that point, I wasn't crying, but I got a pastor on the phone, and another pastor on my phone, and my roommate on the phone. I said, you have to come, you have to come. And I was fine through that, and then I called my mom, and I lost my mind. And eventually, people started coming, and and we were all crying, and I, I cried so many tears that day. As people started coming, and people were just holding me. People I didn't even know that well, just holding me. My best friends holding me. My pastor is holding me. And I remember as people started coming to the hospital, her daughter, Minnie, they were able to save her. She's 15 minutes without oxygen, completely brain dead. But they put her on a respirator, kept her alive. So we're all at the hospital, and and we eventually are able to go and see Minnie, which was this 32-week-old year baby's name. And for the next four days, that was on a Friday morning, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, we spent in the hospital praying for Minnie's life, pleading with God for Minnie's life. But in the meantime, as we're at the hospital praying for this baby, people from all over the nation were coming to this hospital, people who knew Josh and Mallory. And there are people from uh, Illinois where Mallory was from and Pittsburgh and Boston and all of these places and Josh's high school friends were coming and a bunch at, at the most we probably had like 50 to 60 people in this NICU at one time they were literally moving babies around so that we could like be in here for many And at different points during this weekend, we were we were laughing, we were crying, we were angry, we were yelling, we were screaming, we were praying, we were doing all of these things. And for me personally, that those first two days, I was so mad. I just couldn't understand. Man, God, like what? How does this even happen? Even if it was like a car accident or cancer or anything like that, but she was doing the dishes. Nobody's supposed to die when they're doing the dishes. And I was so angry. And Josh, who just lost the light of his life, was literally telling every single person in that hospital who came to visit him how good Jesus was and that his wife wanted them to know that he loved her. How does that happen? I remember it was on Saturday evening. He was on the phone with uh, the organ donor people because they were able to, to save some parts of Mallory. And he's, he wanted me in the hallway with him so he didn't have to be alone. And he's making this phone call to these people at this call center that will never meet, who never knew Mallory, who probably have phone calls like this. It's their job. They literally talk to people like this as their job, and before he hangs up the phone, he says, hey, I just want you to know that my my wife would have loved you and that Jesus loves you and that he cares for you and he wants to have a relationship with you. And I'm sitting there thinking, how are you doing this? And the next morning, I go to church. And when I walked into that church, I did not care about The lights, or the music, or the message, or the haze, or the order of service, or whatever. I was going there to have an encounter with Jesus because I knew I needed something to get me through this storm. Literally the worst time of my life. And I remember they serve communion, which we're about to take in a little bit. And I just read this book about communion, about the body and the blood of Jesus and how that it's not just a symbol of his death and resurrection. But it's also for us to know a, a physical symbol, something for us to hold and taste and see that Jesus is always with us that he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. And so I'm holding the body and the bread and I just feel Jesus' presence on me. And I just start crying so loud on the front, in the front of the church. I wasn't trying to. I didn't want to be a distraction, but I just start crying at the front of the church. And then all of a sudden I have all of these people around me and this really big guy named Paul, he plays bass for our church. He's a really big like grandfatherly man and he just came and he just held me. And just let me cry and slobber and snot all over his lap. Me and him had never had that type of relationship before, but he was moved and he came and did it. And from that point on, I knew I could be strong. I knew that Jesus was with me. I knew that I could share the love of Jesus and and be the person who he was calling me to be in this moment. And then on that Monday or They ran some tests to see if many would ever have uh, brain activity again, and they decided no. And so we spent the rest of that day in that hospital room singing worship music and preaching the gospel to all of the babies in the room and all of their parents in the room and all of the nurses in the room, and we're just going to send this baby off to her mama and to Jesus. And we knew in that moment that that baby impacted our lives more than a lot of people ever will. And she never said a word or took a breath on her own. And so why am I telling you all this? Why am I telling you this bummer of a story? You weren't planning on coming in here today and and hearing about this. But what what I realized, as the days went on, but even in those moments, That those four days in the hospital, I saw the purest form of the church that I'll probably ever see. I saw people come into that hospital and get changed by the love of God. I saw strangers come into that hospital and be intimate with people they had never met before. I saw people come into that hospital and be vulnerable with people they had never met before. And everybody who came to that hospital for those four days... And then to wherever we were hanging out afterwards, because nobody wanted to be alone. Nobody, nobody was trying to be somebody that they weren't. If you were happy, you were happy. If you were sad, you were sad. If you were angry, if you were angry. If you were enraged, you were enraged. If you were peaceful, you were peaceful. Peaceful. And we have a bunch of these different things happening in the same room, but nobody was looking at anybody else and saying like, you can't be happy right now, I'm sad. Or, or why are you so angry? We're, we're, we're singing songs, we should be joyful. There was none of that. Everybody was exactly who they were in that moment. And I saw so much love and so much of the power of God and so much of the heart of God in those four days than I'll probably ever see in my life. And for that, I'm thankful. I mourn that community more than I mourn Mallory passing away because I know Mallory's in glory. She's in fullness. But that community, that church, that body of believers and unbelievers coming together and just being exactly who they were, I'll miss that, and I'll spend the rest of my life trying to help the Lord create that in His church. So how does this relate to you? Where's the invitation in this? I'm going to read another verse from John 118 uh, or 112. It says, "Yet to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in His name, He gave the rights." Underline that in your Bible if you're reading out of your Bible right now. He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Yet to all who believed and received Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Our culture is obsessed with rights. Our, our 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 country was built on rights. What do you have the right to do and not do? This is the only right. After I've read this verse a couple years ago, this is the only right I've ever been concerned with. This is the only form of identity I've ever tried to be concerned with. Now I'm not perfect. I get insecure, I get self-conscious, I try to be people who I'm not. But right here, Jesus, John, in his book, outlines who we are as people, our identity. And he says our identity is as the children of God, that we have a father and we get to act as children in his kingdom. He's giving us the right to do that. Now, that, that seems backwards, right? Because once we're in good standing with God, we should, we should, we should have authority, and we should have more responsibility, and we should, we should be better, and we should try harder. And, and No. When we believe in Jesus, he gives us the right to become children of God. Now, you get to decide if you exercise that right or not. But I encourage you today... I hope that you do. And here's what exercising that right looks like. Every Sunday, we come through these doors. You guys come through these doors. And you have people all around you that have tragedies going on in their lives. Now, a tragedy doesn't have to be losing your best friend or your wife or your kid or whatever. We all have needs. We all have things in our lives that we wish were met. We all wish our lives were different in some way, sometimes, and sometimes it takes other people around us to meet those needs. And so what I want to submit to you today, what I want to invite you into today is this childlikeness that I got to experience in the hospital on those four days, And, and I'm trying every day of my life to be like that I'm so intimate and vulnerable with all of the people around me because who knows what they're going through? Who knows how my story could influence their story? Who knows how they could meet my needs? But we will never know when we don't take on this right of being children. A child is, is, is vulnerable. They're intimate. They're very bad pretenders. They like to pretend all the time. They love to use their imagination all the time. But us as adults can see right through it. I'm a superhero. No, you're not. You're a kid, but I love your awe and wonder in that. And you don't look at a kid who says, I'm a superhero, and then give them a super heroic task to do. You still recognize them as a child, Right. And you might play along with them. But if a kid says, I'm strong, you're not going to ask them to carry a 40 pound box down the stairs just because they say they're strong. You still see their intimacy you still see their vulnerability and sometimes us in the church we like to we like to put on a mask we like to put on a face we like to be strong when in reality our life is falling apart when in reality our marriage is falling apart when in reality our finances aren't there when in reality the doctor's report says we only got a couple months to live who 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 cares about being strong? Be a child. Because when you're a child, people can enter into your life and speak love and can encourage you and can bless you and can bring peace into your life. And children do that. Children are so perceptive of when things are wrong. And that's what we should be like in the spirit of God. That if we're angry, we're angry. If we're sad, we're sad. If we're joyful, we're joyful. The Bible says weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who who rejoice. Now there's a difference here, as you've heard before, between being childlike and childish. Childish is when you are those things and you use it to hurt other people and for selfish gain. That is not what I'm talking about right now. There's no excuse for you being angry and hurting somebody else, yelling at somebody else, manipulating somebody else. There's no reason in your sadness for you to isolate yourself. And neglect the ones you love. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about joining with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. And exercising your right to be a child. Here in this place. With each other. So that you guys can love each other. Care for each other. Meet each other's needs. That when people walk in here. That they are not expending energy by being somebody who they are not. Because who cares about that person? Sorry, I'm a little amped up right now. (laughs) But this is the type of community everybody craves. It might sound scary. It might feel uncomfortable. But who doesn't want a person there when your life is falling apart? Who doesn't want a person there to take care of the kids when you just can't? That's another cool thing about this story, about this hospital story, is, is we were having people with kids that are coming to this hospital, and they have emotional needs too. And these kids don't quite understand what's going on, but it was so cool to, again, see complete strangers taking people's kids and just living life with them, having fun with them, playing games with them, even though their world just fall apart too, we're running through the hallways of the hospital. We're, we're reading books. We're playing games. And nobody is saying, why are you acting like that? Don't you know what just happened? And I think that happens so much in the church world. Where, yes, we're supposed to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. But also, you should be glad when other people in different, are in different seasons than you are. You shouldn't get bitter You shouldn't push them away. You should care for them because it works both ways. If they're rejoicing and I'm mourning, if I rejoice with them, hopefully they're going to mourn with me. Okay, so all of this to say, what do I want to invite you guys into? Is this right to be a child again? Especially with those in your community here. But also in your community out there, at your workplace, at your school, with your family. That it's scary. It's scary to be vulnerable. People can take advantage of that. People can hurt you. People can do whatever they want. But you're a child of God. And that's your identity. And no matter what other people say about your vulnerabilities, if you're intimate with God, those things will not bother you. Those things will not have power in your life. And you are more likely to change somebody's life through vulnerability and authenticity and intimacy than any amount of preaching ever will. Because (laughs) I was thinking about this on the way up here. The person who hurt me most in that hospital when I was intimate and vulnerable The person who hurt me most, I still thought about this today, was my pastor of four years. So it doesn't matter who it is. And I didn't let that affect me. In the moment, yeah, it it stung. It hurt. But because I know who I am with, with Jesus, because I know that I'm a child of God, I know that's my identity and that I can still be vulnerable with people. I can still be intimate with people. And I know that God has me. God will care for me. He's, he's the guy sitting on the floor that I just get to crawl into his lap. He's the guy I get to just walk alongside and grab his hand. And so that will, that's, that's how I'm going to wrap this up. Is, is I, w- I want to challenge you guys and invite you guys to be intimate with the people right next to you. Just go ahead right now. Look at the person to your left and right. I'm not going to ask you to do anything, but see their humanity. See that they probably have things going on in their life that aren't fun. See that you probably have resources and words that can meet their needs. And when we do that as a church, it's it's more fun than anything in the world. And it can take the worst tragedy in the world and turn it into some of the best days of my life. That's only by the Spirit of God that I can look back on October 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, and say, Those were some of the best days of my life. But on every grave, there's a resurrection, right? With the Spirit of God. Death with God is not an ending, it's a beautiful beginning. And so, how can you bring that beautiful beginning into the community with you? Which now I'm just realizing, you guys just had an ending last week. And with the Spirit of God, That's not a finality. It's a beautiful beginning. Craig, as wonderful as he was, cannot care for every single one of you. Like I'm talking about right now. But you all can do that. Because if each one of you took another family or another person, another thing, and said, Hey, I want to be a child with you. Do you want to come over and play? Be intimate with Jesus, be intimate with each other, um, and, and life, life, the worst things in life uh, can, can become beautiful. Jesus, actually, here's the, uh, yeah, come on up, come on up. Um, before I pray, I want, I want you guys to accept this invitation if you want to accept it. I want you to accept the invitation to exercise your right as a child of God. And that's why I wanted you to write it down um, on your phone or on a piece of paper. So you can just have it as a reminder that you are allowed to act like a child. Which means just being intimate and vulnerable. Because Jesus blesses those people and he welcomes them into his kingdom. So uh, if you'd like to accept that invitation, I'd like to bless you. You can just put your hands out in front of you like you're receiving something. Um, I'm just going to pray for you and pray for us. And then we're going to receive communion, uh, which is so beautiful. Jesus, Jesus, we all have people in our lives that have a need. And God, would you give us the, the courage, the courage of a child, to just be who we are? to be able to speak into their life. That this church, that Maple Grove Evangelical Covenant, will, will, will be known for the community that is within these walls. That people will walk into these doors, complete strangers, and that the people in these seats right now will love them so well and will bless them so well and will encourage them so well. That they'll know that they don't have to come in here and have a mask on or have to be strong or even have to take care of their kids 100% of the time. But that they're entering into a church, a community of people who love you and love your children. And God, I pray for the people in this room right now who are accepting this invitation, God, I pray that that first and foremost that they would learn how to be intimate with you, that they would understand that you are a good father, that you're not like a father uh, that, we, that we see here on earth that, that maybe neglects or abuses or, or, or sometimes says hurtful things or is sometimes not there for us, but you're the father that's always just sitting on the floor waiting for us to crawl into your lap. You're the father that's walking around that will never reject us holding your hand. That you're the father that will always show us more of your heart and your love for us when we ask. So God, I pray that we ask. I pray that we enter into that fullness and that intimacy and that vulnerability. God, and that you would change your world because of it, that we'd have a better understanding of you because of it. In Jesus' name, amen.